On this episode of Documento, I'm speaking with Farshad Sarafi, an online fitness coach. Farshad, thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely, man. I'm excited. Let's talk about how context matters in the world of fitness. What do you have to say about that? I think the big piece, and we kind of talked about off air, is everything in fitness is a tool in a lot of ways, but how you're going to use it is is very much dependent on what your situation is, right? Like I've worked with some athletes and, and one of the things you learn working with athletes is if they're a bodybuilder, for example, doing something like HIT can be very beneficial to a point, but as body fat diminishes, that's not the most effective use of their time, one, and that's probably not going to be the most effective thing to do, especially as your body fat dips, you can start hindering performance. Um, so, but an everyday person who's just going to the gym, trying to get in shape and is just trying to improve their cardiovascular, it can be a very effective tool to reduce body fat, improve cardiovascular energy, and in some cases, even build muscle. Um, one thing I like to explain to some of my clients, which I think people completely miss this, but like common muscle building training or what's known as hypertrophy training is 30 to 45 seconds of work with the weights and then like 60 to 90 seconds of rest between your sets. If you look at a properly designed HIIT workout, it's 30, sometimes 45, sometimes less of work, and then 60 to 90 seconds of rest. So even muscle building training in a lot of programs can be designed in style for HIIT. So I tell people, you, why don't you just lift the weights? Because if you lift the weights, you can get similar benefits, like if you structure it hypertrophy-based, um, but you're also developing muscle and you're focusing on developing some strength in the process as well. So I think everything in fitness is context dependent. There's, it's really hard for me listening to people say, oh, this is the right way or this is the wrong way. There's general principles with everything and, and everything has its place. But if you abuse anything too much, it's going to either hurt you or give you a serious setback. Like even with lifting weights, I see people who, especially people who are very big into fitness, they'll spend two, three, four hours in the gym thinking it's the smartest thing to do to keep progressing. And it's like, you're either going to get hurt or you're going to hit a huge wall in terms of progression. And that sucks. But then you have the other end of people where it's like, they don't want to lift any weights. I'm like, you need to just move. You need to do some exercise. You need to lift the weights. You need to you know, go for walks, get, you know, sometimes even get on the treadmill, but it's really, everything's context dependent at the end of the day. And anything, when someone asks like, should I do this? Should I do that? I always say, okay, what's the context? If I have the answer for that, I can support you better, but it's really poor of me to say, hey, go do an hour of cardio twice a day, six days a week, or go lift weights twice a day, six days a week. I mean, sometimes I think people perceive what they see and not realize like the person in context is not in the same situation as you. So why are you making that comparison for your own situation? Well, first of all, can you explain what is HIT for the listeners? Absolutely. HIT is high intensity interval training. So the idea would be like, one of the most common ones is like doing sprints. So you would like sprint for 10 to 20 seconds and then you could rest anywhere from three, probably like 30 seconds to a minute in between sets or even sometimes even longer. But the idea is to elevate your heart rate for a period of time and then bring it down right after. Um, and there are studies that show that it has a different effect in terms of fat loss, like post and during workout. Like I, you'll see a lot of people be like, well, Hit is actually just better in terms of fat loss over you know the course of 24 hours. That's because the expenditure over the course of 24 hours is the focus of where the energy is burnt. Like in a 30-minute hit session, maybe you don't necessarily burn the same amount of fat as you would doing a 30-minute walk at a certain pace, right? But over the course of 24 hours, that's where the same net fat burn can be 
generated. That doesn't mean it's superior to another kind of cardiovascular exercise. It's just a different tool. So are we seeing the emergence of all these chains that are taking on a hit model because people want to save time and get results in that shorter time? Yeah, I think the one thing you'll see, and you, you know, good case studies would be like the orange theories of the world, the fit body boot camps. CrossFit did this really well at one point. The idea is like do some sort of weight training in the process, but design it in a way where, you know, it's in the style of hit. So a lot of like there's a gym here, it's called Metabolic Meltdown, and they're chaining out and they're trying to franchise. Um, it's very much modeled after Fit Body Bootcamp, which is run by Vedras Koulian. But what they do is essentially it's like a 30, 40 minute workout where there's weights included, but the structure of how you do the exercises with the weights is like, okay, do 30 seconds of this movement with the dumbbell and then go rest for maybe 15, 20 seconds. And then now you're doing something with the kettlebell for 30 seconds. So they're trying to bring in the weights into it, which I think is great. I think being active is super, super good. Um, I think the one thing people neglect in these processes is understanding that that's a great quote unquote workout. I'm sure it'll help you get into some shape, but creating aesthetics, which is what a lot of people are looking for, the abs, you know, the built chest, big shoulders, whatever it may be, that has to be done in a very specific manner. Like it would, it would be like you saying, how do I jump higher? And I never once give you exercises that work towards the motion of actually jumping. Right. So specificity is a big part of getting the result. It doesn't mean other things won't help in some context and you won't see some great benefits. It's just that when you do anything, you have to understand that how much of what you're looking for are you really going to get. So I think that's a big part of, of, of understanding hit. Like the model's great. Like I'm a big proponent of be active to begin with. Um, but sometimes I see people think, oh, if I do this, I'll get extra result. And it's like, you'll get in better shape, you'll lose weight. But if you're looking for something specific in terms of the look, the strength, the feel, you getting more specific with the context you're asking for then becomes more specific with the program you need. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, all these exercises that are having people do things quickly and with maybe less rest time, does it lead to higher chance of injury because they're not taking their time with form and, and, and enough rest time between intervals or what? I would say that is part of why CrossFit boomed and then had like a stall so one of the things crossfit did was only do especially when it started it was it set ablaze because it was a lot of multi-joint movements the problem that became is they didn't do the accessories like the dumbbell curls the lap pull downs the simple little movements you do that are non-compound and that led to a lot of injury and the one thing you learn even with an elite athlete even powerlifters, they still need to do some of the accessory work and they need to do things from a very technically focused standpoint because at the end of the day muscles just move joints And if you're not moving things in a fashion that's congruent with what your body does, you can put yourself at extreme injury risk, right? Like if I don't have good form on a bench press, for example, I could seriously mess up my shoulders, which is what you'll commonly hear is people say, don't bench press for your shoulder because it'll hurt your shoulders. I can make an adjustment and you'll never say that again. But most people are lifting out of ego, which is a part of the big reason why people get hurt. So I always tell people, learn the technique. Just leave your ego at the door. You're If you get really good at mastering form and you treat even the lightweights as if they're heavy, eventually those heavy weights start to feel light comparatively. Mm-hmm. And these exercises are inherently intense, right? So if somebody's right. not really working out that much, they're sitting in an office all day, they're not walking, they're not doing any mm-hmm. form of exercise, transitioning to these more intense exercises can leave them more injury prone, let's say anyway, right? Yeah, it, it can. I mean, every, 
lifting is a skill, I think. That, and that's something most people completely fail to realize. So as it's like any other skill. The more you practice, the better you get. That doesn't mean you're not going to get sore, especially someone who's brand new to getting into the gym. Like if you've been working at a job for so long and you haven't been exercising the first couple of weeks, you're going to feel some pretty heavy soreness. And that's for sure. But if during that process, you're focusing on the technique as you're getting through that, once you start to recover and you start to develop that skill, you'll be able to push yourself better and you'll have lower injury risk because you've focused on the baseline fundamentals, not, oh, I just went in to get a workout and lift heavy weight. No, I went to work out and I learned the mechanics so that once I've developed the skill and soreness has come down, I can then push myself more appropriately as I move forward and then continue to see the progress I'm looking for. So to piggyback on that, would you say form is probably the number one priority for any beginner that's starting to exercise? I, it's, I work with some pretty interesting athletes and even at that level, you would be surprised how much technique will make a difference, especially like I, there's a couple guys I work with who are competitors and, you know, body, the different kinds of bodybuilding that there is. And, you know, I'll get a video sent and I'm like, Hey, like, like feel good, but like, this is what I feel about my knee. And they'll send me a video of their squat. And I'm like, you're not staying tight in your core. It's evident you're not breaking at the hip. And it's like, even at the higher levels, it's the same, it can be the same conversation. You know, it can, it's still going to be more nuanced. Like the program design will be much more specific to the end goal, but technique is still a big thing. Cause you know, I, I tell my clients all the time, if the weight's going to get heavier, if your technique, if you completely blow your technique, the injury risk is going to, the injury itself will be worse. Like, there's no doubt. Like, you drop a 10-pound dumbbell on your foot, you'll probably have a little bit of a hurt foot. You drop a 100-pound dumbbell on your foot, you have a broken foot, if not something more, right? So you think of it, I always tell my clients, think of it that way. Like, very much focus on the technique. But the one thing a lot of them do a good job of is when we build that baseline, by the time we get to the heavier weights, it doesn't typically have to be a big conversation because they know how to warm up appropriately, and they also know how to treat their warm-up sets in a way that allows them to keep their technique in check. Hmm. Many listeners probably notice when they focus on form, even if they go lower weights, they feel like they've had a, a very good workout. They felt like they've mm -hmm. made the most of their time out there. So uh, that's probably some kind of incentive to be back at the gym and not mm -hmm. have to go to the, all these high intensity exercises before they're ready. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think at the end of the day, no matter what you're doing, range of motion is such a big part of this. Like, the, la the last thing I want anybody to have is have like a very limited range of motion, which you would see with bodybuilders in the past is like, they would just get so big, but they couldn't like scratch their back or whatever. And it's like, nowadays you see guys who are, even though they're very big, they're very flexible and it's because mobility has become such a big thing. And, you know, there's a pl time and place to do like partial reps or like not full range of motion, but for 99% of the population, that's never going to be the case. And I always, I stress master technique, but make sure you get the range of motion. You know, like I see people squat and it's like, not everybody's squat is going to look identical if they're going to achieve a lot of depth, but it doesn't mean you can't get as much depth out of the person. I mean, there's some people like I'm a taller guy myself. I squat very differently than someone who's proportionately phys is proportionate top to bottom. So like I, I squat and I'm actually lean forward more, but that's because I have long femur legs. Some people, if their chest, their upper body and their lower body is very fortunate, they'll be able to squat more upright. So when I go to a gym and I see a personal trainer say, oh, you're not squatting correctly. I'm like, I don't think you understand someone's anatomy. That's, mm. really, you know, that conversation becomes very prominent too. So that doesn't mean range of motion doesn't matter, but you have to also understand your own body. Like a taller person 
you know, may have a different technique, just may, may look very different than someone who's shorter. So as much as technique is important, you also have to understand like, what is your own physiology? That kind of goes back to the beginning of the episode where context matters to the person. So, right. uh, yeah. We're full circle here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Farsha, that was uh, really helpful, man. Uh, do you want to give the listeners an idea of uh, any projects you're involved in to close the interview? I work on my own little online one-on-one coaching business. It's really fun. It's been growing very rapidly and it's, it's consumed more of my time. And I'm sure, you know, as a business owner, you want to be able to serve more people. So that means creating new systems. So I'm in the process of working on a couple of um, eBooks, potential info products that I can put out for, to help more people. And you can find me, I have a new website that I'll be releasing quite soon. Um, with more information on what I do, access to more resources. I'm going to be putting some free stuff on there too because I know a lot of people just need something to start with and there's a lot of noise to cut through. So, yeah, that's really what I do. I'm in the process of also potentially working with some higher-level pro athletes next year. That's very much in its infancy and it's going to be – it'll be interesting to see how that pans out, but it's looking promising. So I'm I'm looking forward to what 2020 brings. There we go. That's very exciting, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Of course, man. Thank you. All right. Talk soon.